When I started this podcast, I hoped that one day I'd have the nerve to ask Tristan Reese to be a guest here. And I did have the nerve, and he said yes. Hi there, I'm Tracy, and this is the Essential Stepmom Podcast, your source of unconventional advice and inspiration for the womanly art of raising someone else's kids. Is it really an art? You bet. Nobody pops out of the womb with an instinct for step-parenting. It's something you practice and get better at, like anything else. And if you found this podcast, it means you're smart enough to look for someone who's been practicing the moves for a long time to stand in your corner and coach you through it. I'll share my wins, my missteps, and my analysis of what worked for my family over the last 14 years and why it could work for you too. If you like this stuff, don't forget to subscribe. And you can get more of me at EssentialStepmom.com. I'm not going to say too much about my guest today, but this is one of the most amazing interviews I've had the pleasure of doing in the year and a half I've been making this podcast. You'll hear him give me a coaching I so obviously needed which was a great teaching moment. I'm not some special person who's got it all figured out because a guy could meet me and totally have my number in like 20 minutes. And I wish I could have done a better job of speaking to my own experience, even after he pointed it out to me, how humbling to have to listen to myself as I was editing this, falling in the same hole over and over again. It was the best kind of lesson for me. So Tristan, if you're listening, I'm totally calling you for some more coaching. There was too much great stuff in this interview to pack into a single episode. So here's part one of two. Tristan Reese, I'm so, so, so happy to have you here and to be talking to you like almost live and in person. At least I can see you. It feels live and in person. It's definitely live, that's for sure. <laughs> Thanks so much for agreeing to do this, and it's a great pleasure to have you here. I, as I just told you, I first heard you talk on a podcast called Longest Shortest Time, which was an amazing show, and I, I loved it. I binge listened so many episodes. I mean, they just had so many amazing guests on, but um, you were on that a lot of times. Yeah, it was shocking how many times they wanted to talk to me and my partner. <laughs> um, but it was, I mean, it was truly humbling to be able to tell our story with such smart and intuitive and, and empathetic um, journalists. You know, it was, yeah, it was, it was humbling. And we have a lot of gratitude for our ability to do that. Well, and when I heard you, apart from just being so moved, because you're, you're a great speaker and you have an amazing story, but I really felt like there would be a great affinity with my listeners who are uh, stepmoms by and large, um, especially around the kind of the emotional turmoil surrounding how you adopted your older kids and um, what happened all around that. So maybe tell us a little bit about, about that story. Yeah, absolutely. You know, my, my partner and I had been together for just a little over a year. So we were really still in like the dating, getting to know each yeah. other. We'd just moved in together, stage. Oh, 
Um, and, uh, you know, quite different, I think, from becoming a step parent. We, we got a chance to get to know each other without kids being in the picture. But, you know, right after we moved in together, we, uh, we got a phone call asking if we would be willing to take responsibility for my partner's biological niece and nephew. Um, and so we did. We, we became parents overnight to a one-year-old and a three-year-old. Oh, um, my gosh. And I know I do not recommend it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, of all the ways to become a parent, really like going from zero to two kids with no planning, no preparation, do not, zero out of five stars would not recommend. <laughs> um, but of course, I have no regrets and I would not have done that part. You know, I wouldn't have made a different decision now looking back. Um, I just wish I could tell, you know, Tristan of nine years ago to, you know, take some parenting classes first. But, but I think the similarity with, Step parenting is really stepping into an existing family dynamic and really taking on both of the benefits and the burdens of the, the function, dysfunction, and malfunction of my partner's really complicated family dynamics. Um, and stepping into a situation where, you know, I really am, am not and probably have never been and maybe never will be the 50% parent. You know, there will always be that part that is about, you know, his family and his family dynamics that, ha that, that comes with, um, you know, taking on a parenting role in this pretty unique way. Yeah, absolutely. And then that, like, the very dramatic moment comes when you have the, well, the desire, obviously, but the opportunity to, to become the full-time, like, permanent guardians of these kids you adopt did you adopt them finally you did huh yeah yeah we they are we're our forever family we've legally adopted them um yeah but you know there really were huh, there really were many quite dramatic moments from you know the initial placement to you know dealing with an emergency we had to get and we had to do emergency guardianship and then permanent guardianship yeah. and then termination of parental rights and then, you know there's just like many many stops along yeah. the way and wow and dealing with their first family you know and and what that has meant and and trying to figure out the dynamics of that relationship with the, you know with their first family and and how you do that which again i think is probably pretty Similar in some ways to what Absolutely. does it mean to step into and then have to deal with this whole these whole other people who think that they are the parents too. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's been really complicated. Yeah, no kidding. I no, I think like everybody listening is going, oh my god, that's my story. Like, it's so hard, and um, most especially for um, couples who are dealing with kids where the situation in the other family is really dramatically not good for them. You know, where the parents are not having an easy time with life for whatever reason, and it's not easy for the kids to be there. And, uh, you know, having to go for visits or having to share custody or whatever it might be, um, having to send those kids away to their mom or mom and dad, whatever. Um, you're nodding and looking at me like that's, that was a painful, time and, and I think you know what's I guess doubly painful is this this idea that just I have such a different or at least I had such a different read on the situation you know than my partner did um, in terms of really seeing and identifying some deep dysfunction um, that wasn't probably not 
rectifiable. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, because my partner obviously has the lifelong experience of being connected to his sister and his family, you know, it's just so much more complicated and messy there um, than it is for me where I'm just like, look, the kids are being abused. They should be, they should live with us instead. Like, why is this hard? You know? Yeah. Um, and, you know, I think he was just really concerned that there were issues of class that were coming up that maybe I wasn't understanding and seeing and what what is normal for them is different than what's normal for me. And, you know, just because someone is having a hard time, say, feeding their kids or giving them a healthy environment or not using drugs around them, you know, that doesn't always mean that the situation can't be fixed. You know, my sense of normal is different than theirs. Um, yeah, so it's really hard. And, you know, in a lot of ways, it is still hard. You know, we're still recovering from what that situation was and what it continues to be. Yeah. Wow. I, I, um, I don't know. I, I have a personal um, real desire to, to connect myself with the kids and how they feel and what their needs are and the way that children are connected really forever to their biological parents and how that, that, that has to be better understood. Um, that it's not just a question of changing houses and going to a better school and having nicer clothes to wear or <coughs> excuse me, whatever, whatever it might be that I think a lot of the, a lot of the uh, women that I'm working with um, don't really understand. I mean, it's a very complicated relationship with kids who have a mother somewhere, even, even when they love you very much that, um, that we're not really wired inside to to have two mothers or to to two people who are uh sort of fulfilling the same inherent role in our lives it's it's very hard it leads to um that you know that inner loyalty conflict that has nothing to do with with making um like rational decisions about being here or there but about what's happening inside my heart and whether i allow that whether i permit myself to love all of these people who maybe don't agree with each other or are, you know, battling with each other. Um, yeah, it is, it is hard. And you think, I won't say you think, but I'll say for myself, like I try to think of myself as, you know, I try to be self-aware and I try to be, you know, emotionally healthy and name my needs and all of that. And there is just kind of some kind of weird animal thing that creeps up <clears throat> when thinking about, you know, their first family, both the the anger that I have about the mistreatment that would that was allowed in that home. And there is, you know, I think that as you as you said, there's that part of me that's just sort of like, but I don't want you to want them in your life. You have us. Yeah. Which doesn't make any damn sense. Like they're not a threat to us. Like it's always the more people that love your kids, the better. Yeah. And so, you know, I'm, I'm just, you know, just naming something that like, I'm not I'm super not proud of. I never want it to show up for the kids and is there. And I have to engage with that all the time. You know, when my daughter just, you know, her, just out of nowhere, her eyes will just well up with tears and go, okay, bud, you know, what's going on? And, and she'll say like, you know, I just, I just worry about my mom, mm -hmm. you know, and, and it's just so hard not in the moment, of course. I'm like, oh, I know, sweetheart. And if she was here, what would you want to tell her? I like doing say all the right things. That doesn't mean that like inside of me, there isn't a part of me that just 
gets, you know, it's just, just like enraged. <laughs> what do you why, care about why? her? <laughs> yes, you know, and it's, you know, it's not anything. It exists on the, in, a, in a different realm than, than the rational, advanced, emotionally intelligent part of me. And I, and I, I don't know if it'll ever go away. This is what I love about you. You're so ready to like be vulnerable about those things that most people find it so hard to say. Like, I don't, I don't want you to want that person in your life. Yeah. And I think sometimes I pretend it's about them. And in some ways it is, you know, what I have seen just through my life is, you know, the more obsessed you are with what you don't have, the more unhappy you're going to be. And what I see with my friends who, who you know, are adopted or who are donor conceived or um, who have been in the foster care system is there can be caught or can grow an obsession with an absent parent or right. a donor or whomever that isn't, whatever isn't there or that you even imagine isn't there. That right. there could be that obsession that grows yeah. that is just like really, really, really toxic and unhealthy and is ne- it's just like literally never going to go well. Um, and so in a way I, I do, I'm just like, you know, I don't want them to be obsessed with someone who is just never going to fulfill this thing that they want or imagine. Yeah. Um, but a big part of it really is just about me. You know, it's about my own confidence in my role as their parent and my, my own, my own confidence that whatever I'm bringing is enough. And there may also still be these gaps that I can't fulfill. It isn't about me failing or like not being yeah. good enough. It's just about as you said, how we're hardwired to not necessarily have multiple people that we're going to for the, for the different parts of parenting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Oh, there are just so many streams that I would love to um, explore more with you, but um, I really want to hear a little bit more uh, because it's another area that so many women in my audience will relate to. Um, this drive to have a biological child with your partner, to have an hours baby, because that's, that's the term in this world, you know, to have an hours baby, to bring your own biological child into a family that already has kids in it. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, we did that. And so I'll say like, yes, I guess I, I don't know. I, I don't know, like I would have, I did want to have a biological child, you know, with Biff, my partner, before the kids came. We didn't talk about it. You can hear him in the background maybe now. He's just playing away down there. Um, And so we did that. And, um, and, you know, I want to believe that it's for a different reason than maybe other like like heterosexual couples do it. Um, but you know, maybe, maybe it's not, maybe it is like, well, you have your kids and then we can have our kids. Um, and so, yeah, I don't, I don't know if I can piece apart all those different, different elements. Um, for me, it did just feel like doing it in a different way, becoming parents in a different way. Um, yeah, yeah. So it is complicated, but yes, we did. We, we decided to have our own baby. And so I went off of my hormones. I'm, I'm a transgender man. And so I went off of my hormones and I regained my ability to get pregnant. And so we, you know, had our own baby that is biologically um, related to both of us. Yeah. Um, whereas, you know, our older kids are biologically related to him and sort of spiritually related to both of us. Yeah. So that's well, that's a beautiful way of looking at it. I, I love that. So, um, to say more about, about that. 
the yeah, like, spiritually thing. I've been thinking about this a lot only because like at the beginning of the pandemic, we went to go stay at my sister's cabin in Eastern Oregon um, because she was like, I'm really worried. No one's staying there. All of our bookings got canceled. You know, she like yeah. Airbnb it. She's like, everything is it, now it's just an empty house. And we're like, great. We would love to just quarantine somewhere for a couple of weeks away from home. It's way bigger than ours. And they, she had all these old kids book. And one of them was um, Horton hatches an egg. Yeah. Do you remember this book? I do. Yeah. And it's so like, it's like Horton the elephant um, finds this egg, which has been neglected, basically abandoned by this, uh, neglectful bird who wants to just like go party basically. <laughs> um, and so Horton, she's like, Oh, will you just like watch this egg for me for like a second? And then she just leaves. <laughs> and Horton is like, Oh my God, I, like I've now committed to hatching this egg. And there's like snow and sleet. There's like all of these options yeah. that Horton <laughs> has to overcome. And then as the egg hatches, the bird comes back and is like, Oh, cool. Thanks. Um, I'll take that back now. And Horton's like, are you kidding me? <laughs> like, are you kidding me? I'm the one that's been here hatching this damn egg. And she's like, yeah, yeah. And I'm like super grateful. But like now that it's hatched, I'm super excited to have this baby, you know? Um, and then when the egg hatches, it comes out and it's like a bird elephant hybrid. Oh. Like the the love and care and energy and attention that Horton has invested and this egg becoming a reality manifests physically as this this yeah. little baby taking on all of Horton's qualities and a little oh. bit of like the like yeah. crap mom who abandons yeah. the egg, you know. <laughs> and so I like to think about that. I think about that a lot in terms of the spiritual connection between, you know, uh, like an adoptive or second parent. Um, to the kids it's like maybe you don't have my genetics but there are so many things that show up that I know have imprinted just by like literally showing up and being yeah. there for you in a way that other people haven't been able to so whenever I feel you know a little bit down or whatever I just remember Horton and the little cute little flying elephant baby that comes out oh that's so amazing it was so nice that you like stumbled onto that book that way because I now I have to go back and look for it I haven't you know seen that book since forever um that's an old old like dr seuss story or something right yeah 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 like, i remember Horton hears the who, Horton hears a who yeah. is another amazing one what yeah, but in the like, hatches and egg i've been thinking about that a lot perfect message it's a perfect message it's so hard for for women who are step parents to um to wrap their heads around what their role is in the family and what their connection is with the kids. And um, I think it's so- I'm gonna, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna interrupt you for a moment okay. um, with a little coaching. Like, so I want, so we can connect better as humans. You were saying like, you want to do this or whatever. Like, I'm gonna ask you to just like, just say I, and then say what you're gonna say and just speak for yourself. Not women out there, but just like you. I feel that the stepmom role can easily get um, contaminated by our own um, unconscious desires to my own um, my own unconscious desire to put my like to allow my maternal instinct to run the show instead of mm. uh, perceiving what what's really needed from the other side. Yeah. 
And so, by the other side, you mean the kids? Uh, yeah, yeah, from the kid and yeah. from the from the family dynamic. Um, it's really easy yeah. for me to allow my maternal instinct to get in the way, and I'm always being vigilant about that. I think it's it's yeah. one of the ways that uh, one of the reasons that uh, being a stepmom often feels like walking on eggshells. It's not always about other people's reactions, but about our own, you know, um, about our own natural and, um, you know, coming from a good place, wanting to give what we have in a motherly way that is not always received well. And so then, then we feel, I feel, I would feel sad about that when that mothering isn't well received. Yeah. And the reason I asked you that shift is because one of the, I think one of the ways that we get to connect better as humans is to not talk about a fictional person out here, but to say for me, and that's, that's because, you so know, for true. me, like, I feel that, like, when you say that, like, I feel an instinct to give love in a certain way, and I'm not always able to do that. It's not always appropriate like that. Like, I feel that in my body in a way that I don't. When you say, like, sometimes some step parents feel blah, 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 blah. And and I'm able to really, it's actually about neuroscience. It's actually about the ways in which um, our bodies have that sort of like uh, vibrational tendency of connection. Um, and what that brings up for me is not something theoretical, but something super real, <laughs> which is, I feel that all the time. And how do you piece out what is a parental instinct and what is ego? You know, what is wanting to be validated? Yeah. You know, a, the, the, a child's like wanting when your kid falls down and then they get up and then they look at you and someone else and they're deciding, who am I going to run to for comfort? Yeah. yeah. Wanting to be the one that they run to, how much of that is instinct around wanting to provide care and comfort and how much of it is about like, see, see, like I'm the best. I'm the one that they love. Yeah. The and like, that's, that you know like that's the icky part that you're like okay I see you and like that's you're not helpful right now (laughs) (laughs) Um, but how much is how much of it is the instinct of of wanting to show up and be there it's it is it's it's really hard to it's hard to piece apart what's what's mine to take on what's my kids to take on what's these other people around yeah and I see these like super high-functioning you know multi-part family blended families where they're like oh and we all have Christmas together like all the exes and all the steps and the whatever and I'm just like oh am I broken that I can't do that yeah (laughs) guys that I'm broken please tell me I'm not the only one who totally choked up when he told the story about Horton and the egg I it's not corny it's beautiful I'm not crying you're crying I just looked it up, and that Dr. Seuss story is from 1940. I had no idea. It just had its 80th anniversary. What a beautiful fable that is for the stepmother in all of us. I also really loved that Tristan said something out loud that I don't know if I would ever have had the courage to say, which is, I don't want you to want your mom. I want to be enough for you. And to say, I don't want this to show up for the kids, but it's there all the time and I have to engage with it. This is like poking right 
into the molten core of a stepmom's heart. I feel that pain. And I think engaging with it is one of the things that's growing me. I can't avoid it if I want to do right by my stepkids. I have to engage with that feeling and learn from it. And that makes me kind of actually grateful for it. Tristan has a book coming out called How We Do Family, and it's available for pre-order now. I'll put links for that in the show notes, and you can find out lots more from his Facebook page called Biff and I. Meanwhile, it's a big week for us on Facebook, both in the stepmom group and in One for the Dads, my dad's only group. Those dads picked the topic for my free three-day training event this week. They chose how to stick to your guns without being the bad guy. So that's what we're going to do. My Stick to Your Guns boot camp is especially for divorced dads who want to sharpen their parenting skills to deal with the reality of family dynamics after divorce. It's happening Wednesday, Thursday, Friday this week, November 11th to 13th, and there will be a live video on each of those days at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Day one, we'll show you how to turn on your parenting GPS so you can get out of the weeds and back on track to being a powerful influence in your child's life. On day two, I'll share three hacks for making a parenting game plan that works for where you are right now so you can get to where you want to be. And on day three, I'll talk about my magic formula for dissolving pushback from your kids. Plus, a way to track the progress of your brand new parenting prowess. Sound good? You can sign up as a stepmom or as a dad or both at bit.ly slash dadpower. You'll be able to follow the challenge from either group. And if you just detest social media, you'll get an option to join in from Vimeo instead. I really hope you'll join me for this so that you can also hear a little bit about my upcoming six-month group coaching program called Undeletable Dad Academy, which is a comprehensive solution for repairing your bond with your kids and making you permanently, well, undeletable. The link is in the show notes, and once again, you can register at bit.ly slash dadpower. Thanks for listening. You can always reach me at info at essentialstepmom.com. See you next week with more from Tristan Reese. Thank you.